right. Welcome back to Dogman Radio. This is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com. I'm here with our recruiting editor and the guy who really makes his bread this time of the year, Mr. Scott Eklund. Scott, um, I know things are really ramping up. Obviously a very, very small class in the mid-year signing window. That's kind of what everyone expected because of the changeover in coaching staffs from Jimmy Lake to Kalen DeBoer. Now that things are really starting to heat up, you're starting to see guys make some announcements on Twitter, you know, trying to set up some, uh, lock, lock up some official visits, things like that. Kind of give us a, a general breakdown of where you think things are going as, uh, it looks like this next weekend, the weekend of the 21st is going to be the first big recruiting weekend for Washington. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, it's, it's kind of fluid right now. I mean, the, the coaches are out on the road and, uh, visiting different schools that we, we had a picture earlier today of, uh, Coach DeBoer down in, uh, down at Lincoln from la- from yesterday, I guess. And then, uh, uh, the coaches are heading down. The entire staff is supposedly heading down to GK, uh, Graham Kapowson to watch Josh Wood throw the, the 2022 quarterback who led GK to their first state title this year, 14-0, 14-0, uh, record and then beat, uh, the 6A team out of Georgia, the 6A state champion out of Georgia. So, uh, big time. Uh, quarterback and, and Washington's gonna give him a look and see if he might be worthy of an offer. So, uh, that's kind of what, where things are headed, uh, at least today. Um, I know they're also gonna be down there looking at Junior Saba Ayanaya, uh, the, uh, defensive lineman from there and also Vega Ijuane, who was the offensive lineman committed to Washington, uh, but instead, um, opted to not sign in December and open up his recruitment. But now that his, uh, the position coach who recruited him the whole time, Scott Huff, is staying at Washington and the new staff and everything. I think the Huskies have a good chance of getting him back in the fold. So those are three guys they're looking at. I know um, several of the coaches are headed out uh, to California and Utah this weekend to meet with recruits and, uh, you know, stop by schools and watch workouts and all that, that different stuff. So lots of stuff going on even this weekend when they're not going to have visitors on campus. Yeah. And, and, and you mentioned a good thing with all the coaches being out there and whatnot and don't want to backtrack too much, but really the, the, the big news in terms of now they can focus on recruiting solely is that they were able to finish off their coaching staff. The board was this week with the hiring of Jamarcus Shepard from Purdue to be, I guess his, his, his handle is going to be the, he's a, he's an associate head coach. He's the passing game coordinator and the wide receivers coach. Uh, again, coming from Purdue, uh, looked like there was some really hot competition with Notre Dame. We know that he interviewed there as well. They went in a different direction. I think they hired Chancey Stuckey from Baylor to be their wide receivers coach. But Washington gets Jamarcus Shepard. How much do you think his kind of arrival at Montlake was one of the big reasons why guys like Jalen McMillan, Roma Dunzi, um, Jalen Polk, Taj Davis, these guys have decided to stay at Washington. Well, I, I think it, it, at the very least it plays at least a little bit of a role. Um, I have to believe that it plays a pretty big role, actually. Um, and I think Washington, I think Coach DeBoer, Coach Grubb felt really confident that uh, – Shepard was going to be the guy and that he was going to choose them. And, and that's why, 
um, McMillan and Odunzi and Polk and, and Davis and all these different guys have decided to stay. Um, I think, I honestly think it would have been the better part of wisdom for Terrell Bynum to take a look and see who was going to stay or who was going to be hired as well. But he wanted to move on and he's actually closer to home one season left. So whatever with that. But, um, you know, I, I think, uh, that at least plays a little bit into it, but, um, you know, he, Coach Shepard has gotten results everywhere he's coached. Uh, his players have done really well. He's had success. He's been able to coach inside receivers, outside receivers, and then the whole receiver group. And then, um, you know, he's done a lot of different things and he's very well respected. And I think he is a budding, uh, um, offensive coordinator candidate. If Coach Grubb had, let's say Coach Grubb is here two seasons and Washington just blows it out of the water offensively. I'm sure he'll get some head coaching looks from some from at least some mid-major schools, if not some power five schools. And if that's the case, then you've got your possible offensive coordinator in waiting and coach Shepard, who's ready to just step right into that role. So um, that's something to keep an eye on over the next year or two and, and see how things go. Um, by the way, you know, not to get too off track. Did you hear coach Grubb yesterday? I mean, he he sounded great. So. Yeah, no, no, he was great too, for sure. He's the one yeah. that kind of confirmed that Roma Dunze has been at every meeting, has been to, to every workout and has, and definitely has intimated to the coaching staff that he fully intends on, uh, returning for the 2022 season at the very least. Uh, sounds like they've had conversations with him and his father and everything. They're, they're at a good yeah. place right now and they're on the right page. They're on the same page. So yeah, everything looks really, really good as far as that goes. And, um, for anybody that didn't get a chance to, to listen to, um, Softy and, and Dick Fain talk to Ryan Grubb on Thursday, um, Scott put a great write up together, just basically hit all the relevant bullet points on everything that's on our front page right now. You should definitely check that out. And, and then I linked to the podcast. So if you really want to just go listen to it and then follow along with what I, I said that you can do that too. But, um, yeah. What was really I, nice about that, yeah. Scott, honestly, it was that, it didn't take much for them to kind of get him to open up. Um, he is a guy that will talk and that's, yeah. that bodes well for this what, spring and fall. It's one question. You, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say sometimes it takes a while for, for coaches to warm up and to kind of get used to what the media situation's like in Seattle. But, uh, it, it feels like these coaches have really taken to it quickly and, um, that really bodes well for, for the, some great interviews. The one question I wish they had asked, and, you know, it's easy for me to say sitting back and I, and I was going to text them, but I couldn't find my phone in time to do it, but I was hoping they would ask what he's, what he prioritizes when he's looking at a quarterback, you know, cause Washington has had mostly, not completely. I mean, you know, Jake Locker was definitely a dual threat quarterback. He could run, he could throw. Keith Price had the ability to run around a little bit, but he was more of a pure pocket passer. And so have been every other quarterback that Washington has basically had. And so, um, with coach, uh, with Michael Penix coming in, are they going to be looking more at mobile quarterbacks or what do the, does he prioritize? And that's something the first time that we, get the chance to uh, meet with coach Grubb. I really hope that one of us, I hope I remember, or you guys do as well. What does he prioritize? Does he prioritize accuracy? Cause remember Pete, uh, Chris Peterson basically said accuracy and decision-making were his two number one things. And yeah, because, you know, he, he, yeah. you know, he coached the quarterbacks at Fresno state the last two seasons. 
But until that point, the only time he had really coached the quarterbacks was when he was at the University of Sioux Falls from 2010 to 2013. Yeah. That obviously is not nearly as high a level as what we're talking about with Fresno State now at Washington. So, yes, it's going to be tough to know how they prioritize. The other thing, Scott, that really hamstrings you kind of looking at it from the outside is the fact that they had the same quarterback the last two years of Fresno and Jay Kaner. We all know, we all know about Jay Kaner. We know what his story is, but does that mean that they're going to lean on Jay Kaner types? Because it doesn't feel like that would really fit in with what the kind of, the kind of quarterback that they would want to get maybe at the Pac-12 level, Power mm-hmm. 5 level to see how that fits because there's not, I mean, you know, Jake is, he's a great quarterback, very accurate, but he's a gunslinger type, can, can make some mistakes. He had some great games, obviously what we saw with UCLA last year, but they also, he also had games like in Hawaii where he threw a number of picks. So you're going to get a lot of hit and miss with a guy like that. So you're right. I mean, there is so many, there, there's, there's still some pieces to that puzzle in trying to figure out exactly who they would like to target. But one thing that we do know, and you pointed at it at the very beginning, Going over to Graham Kapowski to see a guy like Josh Wood, if they offer him, that will again offer us just a little bit more evidence to kind of balance and see how they uh, how they look at that position and, mm-hmm. and what they're going to look for when they recruit uh, guys out of high school. Yeah, yeah, and the thing about Josh Wood is he can run and he can be a dual threat guy, but he again is more like Keith Price in that he'd much rather sit back and throw the ball and get it out to his playmakers and let them do that. Uh, but he's a guy that will hurt you with his legs. He has the kind of speed and nimbleness and elusiveness that will allow him to get out and make some big runs if defenses aren't keeping track of him. But he's not a guy that you want running the ball, you know, 10, 10 times a game. That's just not going to be his game. And, and so he's more mobile than a guy maybe say than Dylan is or or even Sam Sam Heward but he's not um he's not a guy who's who's going to get out there and you know Jalen hurts you or you, you know what I mean where where he's running around and being your first option on a running game. Yeah, remind me how, how what's his height and weight again? He's about I I want to say 6263 and about 190 maybe 200 but right around 190 somewhere there. Okay, cuz I was wondering if he was more of like a kind of a Brett Hundley light type of comparison like he's got he's tall enough not not as big but Mm -hmm. obviously has that that dual threat about him and has kind of that gamer feel about him yeah maybe a little bit maybe a little bit okay um going back to Jamarcus Shepard real quick you know I was just looking just uh you know everyone kind of knows his reputation in terms of the guys that he he recruited and developed at Purdue obviously Rondale Moore uh, immediately comes to mind, you know, one of the most amazing freshman seasons I think we've ever seen as far as true freshmen. So electric. Yes. Yeah. And then David Bell, the latest to come through. Um, this last year, David Bell, for instance, for instance, 93 catches for 1,286 yards. Mm-hmm. That 1,286 yards would have been good enough to be third all time at Washington. Yeah. I mean, they haven't had, Washington hasn't had a thousand yard receiver since John Ross in 2016. Yep. Um, they haven't really been close. I mean, Pettis, a couple years later. He was like 870 or something. Exactly. But then outside of that, it's like a pretty big drop off. Yeah. Um, so the development piece is obviously huge with a guy like Shepard. 
I'm kind of wondering from a recruiting angle, we've already talked about the guys that are on the roster that have decided to stay. Where do you think this will take Washington's recruiting effort going into February now that a guy with his reputation is running the show as far as the receivers go? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if they're going to bring in another, I mean, I'd like to see him bring in another, um, another, uh, fret, like true freshman, like 2022 wide receiver prospect. And maybe with some of these athletes they're recruiting, um, they can turn some into a, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, would that take the place of the scholarship that, that Jeremy Bernard just gave up? Yes. I mean, it would. And, and the thing is, if you look at it, Washington's pretty, Heavy in the, uh, in the redshirt freshman. Uh, it, it's hard to say. It's kind of weird talking about this because some guys are so, like third year sophomore, going to be third year sophomores this year. Right. But, um, you know, that you, you have, you have, uh, f- right now, I think you have four guys in Polk, McMillan, O'Dunsey, and Tosh Davis. Taj Dave, uh, maybe Taj Dave. No, I don't. What I can, I, I was looking at the numbers, but you, you're pretty, you have at least at the minimum, I think you have four guys that have four years of eligibility remaining. Right. And well, Jabez is one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Jabez, yeah, that's the other one that I was thinking of. So Jabez is the fourth guy. And, so you're talking about so Jabez can play four seasons. Um uh Polk, McMillan, and O'Dunsey can play three, but they have four years to play three. And so, you know, it's just it's you really would like to have someone to come in with Denzel Boston, if at all possible, but that just might not be the case. They might not like enough receivers. Uh, or like receivers enough to bring them in on a scholarship. Now, maybe they can get a walk-on guy that say, Hey, you come in, you, you show us what you can do. Maybe we can get you a scholarship as a, as a sophomore or something like that. But, um, I, I don't know if it's going to be enough time, especially his connections are mostly going to be in the Midwest and everything like that. And, and, uh, are those kids going to be willing to at this late juncture to start being recruited to the University of Washington? So, We'll just have to see. A lot of it's going to be on his relationships. I'm still, you know, since since we had a pretty good idea that Coach Shepard was probably going to be the guy, I'd been kind of looking at some of the guys he's been recruiting. And um he's, you know, I, I looked at it, and he really isn't recru- wasn't recruiting a ton of guys because I think uh Purdue brought in all their guys on, in, in December. So yeah. uh there's a lot of guys that have already signed that he was after for 2022. My guess is he had turned a lot of his focus to 2023 until this opportunity came available for him at the University of Washington. So, you know, we'll we'll just have to wait and see. I think it's more likely that they'll go out and get a portal guy, maybe two portal guys, and then um bring in a and then maybe bring in three or four wide receivers in the 2023 class. So obviously that brings me to a guy like Junior Alexander, who we just saw went in the portal this week. We know his connections with Sam Hewitt. Obviously they played together, him and Jabez, um, all at Kennedy Catholic. You know, he went down to Arizona State. Now apparently he's looking around. When you talk about a portal type guy, is that just a, too good of a fit to, to, to completely disregard? Does it just make total sense? Cause I mean, I think, you know, maybe deep down inside, and, and I don't know if you were thinking the same thing, but I was kind of thinking when I saw a guy like Junior Alexander 
commit and sign with Arizona State, I was thinking, well, if the portal ends up being this this big thing like we expect it's yeah. going to be, that could be a guy that that maybe Washington would revisit down the road because they certainly liked him. The the old staff really really liked Junior Junior Alexander. What what do you think about? Do you think yeah. Shepard might like him as much? Yeah, the, so the old staff liked him early on, and then I think they they started putting all their eggs in the Emeka Egbuka basket. Sure, and, yeah. and would. yeah, and uh, kind of just didn't pay attention to Junior Alexander like they maybe should have, or uh, from everything that I was aware of, that Washington kind of just pulled back and was like, "Yeah, he's okay. He's not really worth it to us." I always liked Junior Alexander. He's not the electric. Run down the field, um, you know, get, get open deep all the time kind of guy. He can get open deep. He's got really good route running ability and he's explosive in the air, but his, he, he makes his mark as more of an intermediate uh, wide receiver. He can get open. The, the guy that he's, he caught passes from all through high school though is on the roster at the University of Washington and Sam Heward. Yep. And one of his best friends, Jabez Tanay is also on the roster. So. Yep. I think when I, cause I remember when you saying junior went in the, the thing, I think my response was that's when we need to watch because it only, it, like you said, Chris, when you uh, preface this, this question or this, this uh, subject was it makes just way too much sense for him to end up at the university of Washington. I mean, is like I said, quarterback, his old quarterback is here. Jabez today, another good friend of his is here. Um, his whole family, most of his family is here. He loves the, he always loved the University of Washington. It's a new staff, so kind of a fresh start with everything. And it makes a ton of sense that he would end up at the University of Washington. So that's something we're going to have to keep an eye on. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I really, really kind of am reluctant to try to place a lot of parallels between recruiting and football and basketball, for instance. But this is one of those cases where you see so many guys come back from so many different places in basketball to want to be a part of that. They call that the home team. They want to be a part of the home team. And there is a pull. The Seattle kids, they really stay together. And, and for, you know, I, I know there's kind of the provincial nature up here and all that kind of stuff. And I get it. I was born and raised here. I understand it. Um, I just wonder if there's as much of a pull for that in football as there apparently is in basketball, because in basketball, You've seen it in spades. Now you see guys like Terrell Brown come back, Emmett Matthews, uh, Dejon Davis, who was originally committed to Washington before going to Stanford. You know, you see all these guys, Cole Bajima coming back. There's, you know, so there's that element in basketball. I wonder if you think that it might play as big a role in football in the coming years now that we've seen the portal just really kind of take over. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, one of the big reasons why the basketball community is so tight-knit is because of AAU, right? I mean, it's it's these kids battle against each other in you know on the court with their high school teams, but then they end up playing together. And the other thing is, too, a lot of that, that uh, basketball – that lends itself with basketball is just pickup games, right? Going up, going down to Green Lake and playing and maybe some of the other courts that are available, yeah. uh, during the summer that these kids just congregate at and they end up playing street ball against each other and all that different stuff. And that's how they get so tight knit and they all know each other. They all travel around and do a lot of these same things together. Well, football didn't have that for a long time. Well, now with the AAU is utilization of, 
uh, high school football with FSP, with, um, uh, what's it called? Um, there's air air. air yeah. Football. Air, their air Academy that they're running down, um, at life Christian and everything like that. And they've got a bunch of the South sound kids that are, that are part of the things with them. You know, there, there is a much closer knit community among the top players and top prospects in the state of Washington than there used to be. So I think you're seeing maybe a little bit more close knit community. It's still much larger pool than basketball though. And so, um, I don't know if it's going to be quite as tight knit as what you see in basketball, but yeah, you will see a lot more guys start to look at coming home. I mean, what, what was one of the things that several people said to us? If things don't work out for JT to Malau and Emeka Book out at Ohio State or there's a coaching change, Washington could very well get very lucky and, and get those guys back in the fold because those are both Washington kids. You know, well, those don't, are, don't forget about G. Scott Jr. too. I yeah, mean, G. Scott Jr. Yeah, that's another one. But you know, that those are, those are guys who, you know, Emeka Buka grew up here. Uh, JT Tuamalau didn't, you know, grew up, was, was here basically as a junior hire. But, you know, guys like Josh Connerly, if he does opt to go somewhere else, maybe he winds up deciding the grass is greener and come, or the grass isn't always greener outside of the state and comes back to Washington too. We, we don't know on that one yet, but, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that play into it. And with football, it's just a little bit different, but, um, yeah, I, I, I think you've got, you're onto something a little bit there, Chris, but maybe not quite as much as basketball. Okay. Well, you mentioned Josh Connerly and we're going to take a real quick break to pay some bills here, but right afterwards, we're going to jump right into Connerly's class, the, the end of the 2022 class. I want to get Scott's thoughts on how he thinks that Washington is going to finish up their recruiting class. Um, also talk about the junior day that's coming up, the impact of, of a guy like Courtney Morgan to really jumpstart things for 2023. And then also a couple of 2023 kids that Scott's already talked to that maybe are, could they be early commit opportunities for the University of Washington. We'll be right back here at Dogman Radio. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back with Dogman Radio. This is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com here with our recruiting editor, Scott Eklund. And we've really uh, been kind of digging deep into the football stuff, talking about Jamarcus Shepard, finishing out the coaching staff at Washington, being the receivers coach, passing game coordinator, assistant head coach, and how that's going to affect his side of the ball in recruiting. Um, you know, now we're seeing, Scott, we're seeing the head coaches come out. We're seeing Kalen DeBoer going to places like Lincoln High School, uh, in Tacoma, going out to see guys like Jaden Wayne and some of those other players, uh, Jabari, uh, Johnson, some of these other guys, um, that are big time players that trying to keep the, the fence around the state of Washington a little bit. Um, even though Washington isn't going to host any official visitors that we're aware of this particular weekend, we do see things starting to heat up for next weekend and beyond. Give us a, a kind of a thumbnail sketch on maybe some of the visitors you're expecting in the next couple of weeks and how you feel like Washington, the new staff, is trying to put a fence around the state right now. Well, definitely 
I mean, Coach DeBoer, Coach Morgan have both been very adamant that building the fence and, and keeping the best players at home is a priority for them. Um, but you also got to keep the right players home. So is that always the best players? Like from a pro, you know, from a prospect standpoint, uh, I, I don't know yet. I'm not there yet, but, um, you know, there, you're going to, a vast majority of the top guys, you're going to want to keep home. And, and I mean, think about it, Chris, uh, other than Jacob Easton coming back and playing at the University of Washington, when was the last time Washington got the number one player in the state and got him to play for them? It's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah, it has. I mean, you're talking Foster Sorrell, um, you know, uh, JT Tuomalau, Emeka Buka, who was right. I mean, Savelle Smalls is the last one. Savelle, yeah, that was. And then you know, Sam wasn't wasn't far off of, but he was he was at least a step step back from a, you know, ranking standpoint behind JT and, and, uh, well, and a, lot of, a lot of Washington fans aren't going to give the last half a lot of credit for signing Sam Heward because they think it was such a yeah. slam dunk, which fair enough. If, if, yeah. you, if you think that that's fine, I get it. There's ample evidence to suggest that that was the case, but that's one of those situations with a legacy type guy like Sam Heward. It's, there's a lot of fans out there yeah. that aren't going to give the the staff the credit that maybe they deserve to keep that uh keep that commitment. I mean, maintained. I think you, I think you could go back to Savelle Smalls definitely is up there, but then then I think you could go, it would would you be good, you going back all the way to Jake Locker um as the number one player in the state that Washington would got, you know, and Well, Buda Baker. I mean, Buda was Yeah. Yeah, Buddha, but I mean, Buddha for 2014 was well, that yeah. was that was a that was a watershed moment for Chris Peterson. Yeah, I mean that was absolutely was a watershed. But moment. But it doesn't happen often, and and it, and it's been happening less and less. Well, I think those, I think the, the, the way I would characterize it, Scott, is it doesn't happen nearly as much as it should. Yeah, and, so, and maybe yeah. that's part of the reason is is that wa- the state of Washington is maybe downplayed a little bit in the national scene. When they really do have, obviously, I think, you know, there's been a long standing thing out there from people outside the state of Washington. It feels like the players in the state of Washington can sometimes get overrated or overranked. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's the case, but I think we're starting to see with all of these players that are number one guys at their positions, whether it is a Sam Heward, a Mecca Ibuka, JT Tuomalau, a Buda Baker, um, you know, Savelle Smalls, these type of guys. There's plenty of talent in this state. And that's yeah. why I think both the Boer and, and Courtney Morgan have made such a, uh, an emphasis, at least on the outside when trying to, to market it and those types of things have made such a strong push toward making sure that everyone understands that their priority is the state right now. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, Chris, you, you kind of mentioned, uh, some of the guys visiting and everything like that. Uh, you just had, um, we, you had just mentioned to me at, prior to the podcast, I hadn't even seen this, that Derek Boyd, a Lawndale athlete, a kid out of Lawndale, same high school as Michaela Steen and Elijah Jackson. Um, he, he's visiting Washington, doesn't have an offer yet, at least that we're aware of. Um, doesn't have an offer yet, but he's visiting. Is he visiting this coming weekend? Next one. I'm sorry. Not the 20, starting the 21st. So 21st. Yeah. And it looks like a Marion Winston, the, uh, central Catholic prospect, uh, edge prospect out of, uh, Portland, Oregon. 
he is going to be visiting on the 21st. And then the only other guy that we know that is visiting who has set up an official visit at this point is Max Brown out of Lincoln Christian School in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He's currently committed to Central Michigan, but has an offer from the University of Washington. Um, a lot. What's interesting on- about Max Brown, honestly, just real quickly, Scott, the interesting thing about Max Brown, if you look at his his um, measurables, 6'3", yeah. 200, not that far off from a guy Josh like Wood. Josh Wood. And, and I've had a couple coaches say, or not coaches, I'm sorry, uh, scouts say to me that they like Brown's, or I'm sorry, uh, Wood's potential more than Brown. So. Yeah. And typically yeah. what's the, what's the rule of thumb? If you've got two guys and one of them's in state and the other one's out of state and they take the in state guy. Yeah. And yeah. you really can't, you can throw a blanket around them, you know, in terms of their talent. If they're that close, you always err on the in state guy, right? Yeah. So yeah. And, and then we, um, you know, we talked a little bit about, um, the, uh, official visitors, um, or I'm sorry, the transfer portal. Um, I'm, I'm trying to confirm, but rumor is that, uh, Aaron Dumas, the running back out of New Mexico is going to visit on the 21st as well. So, um, that's kind of where things are at as far as people scheduling, but I expect that you'll see five to 10 on each of the next two weeks. Uh, coming up. Some of those will include guys like Lance Holtzclaw, who gets another visit to the University of Washington. He wants to come up and take his official visit. Uh, he gets another one because he took one in July, but that was under the old staff. When the staff changes, there's an NCAA rule that the commits can come up and take another visit. So that's a good thing. Um, you could also see um, Denzel Boston, ta- or I guess Denzel Boston wouldn't take one. Um, no, but like Ryan Otten. Ryan Otten, no, he took one. one. He took one as well. He took one in January as well, or I'm sorry, in December as well. Right. So, well, yeah, he took one back in June. Yeah, he took one in June, and then he took one in December. Yeah. So, um, yeah. he's he's done with his unless he wants to come up for an unofficial visit and and just meet with the coaches. But, um, but anyway, that's kind of what you're looking at as far as um as far because Parker Brailsford's already on campus. So, right, and so is Demario King. Yeah, the, the Cerritos College. And, and the uh Sorry. and the uh UC Davis transfer um Jordan Perryman Jordan Perryman and Michael Penix. Yeah. yeah. So those are the four guys that are on campus. So and just going back real quick, there are a couple of uncommitted players who did take official visits right after um coach DeBoer and his staff were hired. Mm-hmm. One of them was Darian Lewis, the linebacker from back in Baltimore. And then there was also Kevante Henry, who is a Michigan commit, uh, an edge player yeah. from also from the Lawndale area. Do you do you get a sense? Because I know you've talked about Henry. There's a chance that, that maybe he could flip from Michigan to Washington. I haven't heard much about Darian Lewis at this point yet. What do you have any updates on either one of those guys? Darian Lewis, uh, last update I have on him is that he, um, has started to talk to a few more schools. Um, Rutgers is one. He's from Maryland, by the way. So, um, that makes a lot of sense as Rutgers would, would look, be looking at him. He's got some, um, some more, uh, what is it? Uh, mid American schools looking at him. I think Kent State is one that's come in on him a little bit. Eastern Michigan. Um, but these are, these are schools that are looking at him, haven't offered yet. Washington hasn't offered yet. The only offer he has right now is Buffalo. And, uh, he thinks, I think he feels like he can do better. UConn is another one who's come in and looked at him a little bit. So, uh, he needs to, 
Um, just kind of see where things are going to land. He loved Washington when he took his visit here in uh, December. And um, I think if Washington offers that he, he'd commit pretty quickly, he's an inside linebacker prospect. He looks, he clocks in at, uh, I don't know, shoot, I just clicked on a button here. Hang on one second. Uh, he clicks in, he looks, comes in at two six two two thirty. So he might have that frame to play outside on the edge if you want him to, but he's a middle linebacker from what I've watched. I really liked his film. Yeah. And so, you know, going back to the, you know, now that we've gotten an update on those guys, Oh, and, and Henry, I'm sorry, real quick, I didn't answer on Henry. Henry, I think they've still got a great shot at getting him. He's going to take a couple official visits. Greg Biggins updated on our board. But I think Washington's got a great uh, shot to flip him. But uh, he's going to take his time and go through the process before everything uh, kind of settles out. Right. But going back to the in-state guys, there's obviously a couple huge targets that are still undecided. One of them, a, a current Washington commit in Vega Iwane. Or, oh, he's not know. current. Yeah. Did he? Okay, so he did actually go ahead and officially decommit. I guess he is. Yeah, he is officially decommitted and and open to everybody. Right. So those guys. So you got Vega Juane from Graham Capalis, and you've got Josh Connolly from from Rainier Beach. Those are the really two big targets for in-state guys. I guarantee you, the new Washington staff is going to go full guns blazing on that on on those guys. You talked about the connection between Scott Huff and those guys. That makes sense. Are there any other in-state guys? We've talked a little bit about Josh Wood, but any other guys that you think they may try to go on late uh, in as, as maybe a show of intent that they really want to put a blanket around the state? Yeah, it's it's real tough to gauge. I mean, um, the, Washington is has uh, you know the, the state of Washington uh, this year wasn't loaded like it was last year, and so I think that. Uh, that's a big thing is that there aren't as many top guys. There's some really good players, but not as many top guys. I know Dave Iuli was a guy that they were kicking the tires on again. He's out of Puyallup. He was committed to Oregon for a while and everything like that. Um, you know, Chance Bogan was a guy they had committed, but they, they dropped him right before signing day. Unfortunately, that's, that was kind of sad to see that happen, but that's just kind of what happens during, uh, coaching changes. A guy, another name to keep an eye on is another Graham Kapowson kid and Andrew, and I always butcher his name is Savianea. Um, he is a 6'3", 273 pounder who plays on the edge. He can play defensive end. He could grow himself into a defensive tackle prospect. He played some tight end. So that's a kid to keep an eye on. That's another kid they'll see today when they go down there and check things out. If he had they offered, have they offered him yet? They have not. They have not offered. So if uh, he hadn't signed with Oregon State back in December, I think Jack Velling would have been a guy that they look at, the Seattle prep tight end, 6'5", 225. He decided to go down to Oregon State, though. So um, that's kind of a you know a guy that, that, that I think they would have looked at a little bit more. And then I don't know. You know, I, I keep, I look at the, the other guys. I, I, there are some other guys I, I like a little bit, but just, I don't know if I like them enough for, to say that Washington should go after him. DeAndre Gill is another one, uh, 6'5", 210 out of Kentwood. He's an outside linebacker prospect. He committed to UCLA early, kind of hedged his bets a little bit, but then the guy who was recruiting him at the University of Washington, uh, um, uh, Ikaika Malloy, is now down at UCLA as their outside linebackers guy. So I have a feeling he'll probably just stick with UCLA. Okay. But that's uh, kind of it. Okay. And um, Tristan Dunn, 
Uh, oh, Thunder. yeah, Tristan Dunn. Sorry, sorry, that's another name. Tristan Dunn is another one that I think Washington will at least talk to and look at, maybe even bring him in for an official visit. We'll have to see. The big concern with him has always been his grades. It hasn't been his abilities on the football field. And, and word is that his grades have greatly improved, and, and he's really knuckled down and, and focused on the things he needed to do. But is it too little too late? I don't know. Um, that's just kind of... You know, that's just kind of the, the thing these kids find themselves in if they get themselves to a point where they, they, their grades are, you know, are a concern for schools. They're going to take their time in offering them and making sure it's not just a one-time thing. Sure. With Iohane, do you expect him to try to take an official visit here before the signing day or do you feel oh, like he's, so, okay. So you don't necessarily think he's going to try to extend things I, a little bit like Josh Connerly's going. Yeah, I don't think he wants to extend. Let's put it that okay. way. Okay. I think if it, if the timing isn't right for him, if he's not ready, then he will um he will uh you know uh take his time and maybe last past the 2nd of uh February, but you know with uh you know, he's taken a visit to UCLA on the 28th. He took a visit to Minnesota already. Washington and Penn State are his other big schools right now that he's looking at. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you, if USC, and it's a whole new staff down there, so I don't know what the, what they're looking at, but USC was a school that really he liked a lot, and Cal was another one that he liked a lot. So, uh, don't be surprised if Cal and UCLA get in there, or I'm sorry, Cal and USC get in there and try and get a visit out of him as well. So, I think Washington still gets an official visit, but, uh, yeah, that's kind of where, where it's at right now. I think, I think in the end, Washington is the, has the inside track to get him, but it's, it's not as, as sure of a thing as I think it was back when he was already committed. And let's remind people too, Penn State just offered him this week. So I don't know how much of an impact that particular offer is going to make. It may make a big deal with him. It may cause him to slow things down a little bit, but he may already have his mind up on the top schools that he really wants to focus on. So we'll, we'll see on that. Um, but let's talk about Josh Connerly. Uh, Brandon Huffman had a great breakdown of the schools and, and his situation. He announced that he's actually going to be taking some official visits in March, which I think is going to become more of a thing. It just, it hasn't been over the years, but I think these guys with so much at stake nowadays, you might see more of the top, top guys taking, taking more time. Uh, and cause they're going to have until mid April to officially sign during the regular signing period. It starts in early February, but that is just the beginning of the period. When you saw that information, Scott, what was your initial reaction in regards to kind of where Washington fits in this piece with Connerly? Well, it sounds like he's going to take an unofficial to Washington and not an official visit, and that does not bode well in my opinion. Um, yeah, it's very rare that a school doesn't get an official visit and then gets the kid. It doesn't happen very often. So, well, what what do you think of an official visit that could lead to an official visit as long as he understands or it's impressed upon him that he really needs to come back and and, and get fully wined and dined, so to speak? Oh, I I I think that's that would be great. I just don't know if it's going to happen. Okay. I, it he's a pretty uh, loyal kid. So when I say that, if he tells if he tells a school he's going to take an official visit to them, I have a hard time seeing him back out. So Right, but when you talk about loyalty, does that mean just loyalty 
to his word in terms of saying to his word do or in terms of if he tells a school he's going to commit there, then what happens? Yeah, yeah, that that's there you go. But is that? But do you think is do you think that's ultimately the reason why he's pushing things back? Because yeah, he wants to be able to stay true to his word. Yeah, he's not committing to a school and then reneging on that. Right. He'll he'll take a visit. He'll take his visits, and he'll make his decision to commit. He'll sign, and I think he wants to be somewhere in. I think he would like to be in spring football for somebody if he could. So. Wow. Okay. So he's looking to sign and then immediately I mean, just move. Yeah, Oregon and Washington are the two schools that I think of his favorites. Texas, the ones he has as his favorites are Michigan, Oklahoma, Alabama, Oregon, Texas, and Washington. And I think Washington and Oregon are the only two that, that are on the quarter system. And that's the interesting thing. Like you, yeah, like you just said, I mean, he could literally commit in at the end of March and move into the University of Washington within like a week. He could do the exact same thing yep. that Sam Hewer just did a year ago. Yep. But now, obviously, Hewer did it for different reasons because he wanted to still play some of his senior football season. Yep. But mm-hmm. now, obviously, that's not on the table for Connerly. Yeah, but basketball so, is currently on the schedule for him. Right. So he'd be doing it for those reasons. Yep. But it is, we are seeing that more often now where the top, top guys will literally make a decision and then a week later they're going to be on campus. Yep. It's pretty incredible. The I don't think you'll ever make. see any, I don't think. I think what happened with JT to Malau is going to be the is it's not going to happen <laughs> again. So really, you think so? I don't, I don't think, think you'll more see, I don't think you'll see guys taking their official visits all the way out until July, and then enrolling the next day. See, and I know, think I think with the top top guys, with a guy like a JT to Malau or a Connerly, I think with the name, image, and likeness opportunities out there. I wouldn't be surprised if they get advice that tells them to wait out as long as as they can conceivably run this thing out to see what opportunities become available. Because at that point, they've really got these these schools kind of under the cosh, so to speak. They've got them under their thumb. This is the one opportunity where I think they really can take advantage of being in the pole position. The coaches can't really dictate to them because the schools want them just that badly. And, and, and I could be completely wrong about that, but that's, that's just kind of how I see things evolving. And again, I'm only talking about the top five to 10 kids in the country. We're talking about the elite of the elite. I'm not talking about, you know, a three star player trying to be able to pull this off because coaches won't care. They won't care. But if, if a player like you said with Connerly, He's a guy that could come in and legitimately start as an offensive lineman, as a true freshman. He's that good. Mm-hmm. Um, those types of players, impact players, I think coaches are going to wait till the very, very last minute if they have to. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't. I mean, I, I, I see your reasoning. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I, I understand the reasoning behind it, yes. So now that we've kind of talked about some of the players on the board here, Let's talk numbers. What, what do you think the number is? I did a number search on January 10th, broke it down. I think right now they're at about 75, so they have roughly 10 guys that they can, you know, they can work with to get to that 85 number. Do you think that Washington will try to sign 10 guys in February? And whether that's a mix of high school kids, portal kids, maybe a junior college kid here and there, 
how do you see the numbers eventually playing out here? Um, well, originally we talked about yeah. 15, right? Yeah. And I, and I, I've been sticking with that. Um, and, that that's and, what I think could end up. Yeah. With. I was going to say, and if you, and if you add the numbers together, they signed, what was it? Four or five high school kids, one junior college kid and a couple of, of portal mm-hmm. players. Yep. So they're at about what? Six or seven, seven or eight. Mm-hmm. At this point, somewhere in that, yeah. So could they could they jump up to seventeen, eighteen? Do you think? I. It sounds like they I, have room. I, yeah, but the some of it's going to matter with attrition and things like that. So, um, could they get to eighteen? Maybe. Uh, I you know I I think seventeen is about the top though. Okay. Um. Are are I, but, but guys- that's but that's not just going to be about getting. You know, they might not go to seventeen because they might not find enough guys that they actually want. You know what right. I mean? Right. So, but in terms of, uh, but do you feel like they'll, will they put a push on the portal to fill in those gaps because they know they can find experienced players now? If I'm kind they, of wondering if, if that's the balance. If they feel like that portal player is worth it, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I hate to put that caveat on it all the time, but it, it really has to be there. It, yeah. it, because, you know, remember, and I've said this on the board, these guys who are transferring, not all of them were huge successes at the school. Very few of them were huge successes at the schools that they were at. Yeah, especially Most, right away. Yeah, either they were under, they were undeveloped, or they were they were they didn't develop any further, or they were buried on the the depth chart. Maybe they had a conflict with the school. There are lots of different reasons these kids leave. And right. most of them are not a positive. Um, and I don't mean that in a negative way toward the kid. I don't mean they're having off the field issues or anything like that, but maybe they didn't get along with the coach. Maybe they want, maybe they were a me first kid. Maybe they were a kid who showed up and they thought was going to develop and the kid didn't work hard. Maybe he worked hard, but just had topped out physically. There's a lot of reasons why these kids don't find success in college. And so you really have to be choosy about who you're taking and why you're taking them and what they can do for you and how they can help you and all those different things. Bookie Radley Hiles is the rarity. Right. It it just is not going to happen that much. Jalen Polk, the reason he left was because a one of his good friends, Caleb Berry, um, you know, was signing with the University of Washington. But there was the opportunity to play at the University of Washington and he didn't like this. He, he didn't like his situation at Texas Tech. That's why he left. It isn't because, um, you know, he stunk or anything like that. And that Bookie Radley Hiles was, was the same way. But then you see a guy like, um, Mar- Martin, um, Jeremiah Martin. He is. He, he, the kid didn't stink at Texas A&M, but he didn't live up to his billing, right? It just didn't feel like he got a lot of time to prove it. Yeah. And here, did he really do that much? No. I didn't see very much from him. Maybe it takes him a year to get into the system. I don't know. But I didn't see the impact that I thought. Patrick O'Brien, did he have the success at Washington that some of us thought he could have? No. He did not. 
Right. He didn't even he didn't even really push for playing time, and the the couple series he got were absolute wastes. Well, your and, hypothesis will certainly get a chance to be proven, yeah. one way or the other this year, because a guy like Martin is is he's coming back. Yep. So there's an opportunity to see whether or not you're right, whether or not it takes them a year, because people forget the, the kind of the, the the person side of this thing, not just the player side, but they've got to get acclimated socially, academically just ingratiate themselves within the team, kind of find their niche. Um, you know, they're all, there's all sorts of things that they have to get involved with that you just won't. These are things that you'll never see on the field because mm-hmm. these are all part and parcel of just kind of what their experience is like at Washington as a student athlete, not just the athlete. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's obviously going to be an interesting thing that we can watch down the road. The other thing that you can, try to piece together too is that with the portal now if if you really wanted to play encyclopedia brown you could go back and look at all the players that like fresno state offered for the last two or three seasons mm-hmm. go and see where those guys went see if they've gone into the portal and seeing if now washington wants to reach out to some of those guys because clearly there's a relationship there that's mm-hmm. been developed over the course of a few years and maybe this recruits like, well, I, I thought I'd do better at such and such school, but clearly the Fresno coaches, I really love them. It was a hard decision when I had to make it. You know, now maybe I could go to a place like Washington and really show them what I can do. So there's that element of the portal that I think that, that people need to look out for in the coming weeks uh, as we really get close to this February 2nd signing day. Mm-hmm. Before we kind of put a bow on the 2022 stuff for right now, are there any guys that you feel – Confident enough in saying, yeah, I think they're going to go to Washington. I think when we, when we look at Washington's signing class on that first day or two of the signing period in February, what names do you think we're going to see that we haven't seen so far? Well, um, one of them was the kicker out of Arizona. His name is Gus, or I'm sorry, Grady Gross. Um, okay. I think, I think he's a kid that you could see. Uh, commit to the University of Washington. And that I makes think sense Ma- because Peyton Henry's going to be gone after this year. After this year, yeah. yeah. Um, Max Brown, if Washington really wants him and he does make his visit on the 28th, I think there's a very good chance Washington will flip him. Um, but I think if they decide to offer Joshua Wood out of Graham Kapowson instead, um, I think he ends up at Washington and Max Brown doesn't visit. So we'll just have to see uh, on that. Uh, Kevontae Henry, I think at this point in things, I think they've got a great shot at, uh, flipping him and, uh, turning him into a guy that they end up with. Um, I'm looking here. I'm just kind of looking at some offers to Andrew Paul is a kid that's kind of interesting. The running back out of, uh, Dallas, Texas, Texas. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, 5'11, 220. Um, Washington just offered him what about a week ago, whatever it was, week and a half ago. Really recently. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I don't know very much about him. I'm kind of digging in a lot more to him. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see on him. Um, there's just not a, I mean, there's a lot of wide receivers out there. I just don't know of a lot of wide receivers that Washington is on. So that's, um, you know, I think if they can get Vega Juane, Back in the fold, I think that's that's probably a guy that that they have a really good shot at getting. Roman Rashada, the cornerback, defensive back prospect out of Diablo Valley, yep. the JUCO corner, um, our JUCO DB. Um, I think he's a guy that that you sh- that people should keep an eye on. He needs to set up his official visit, but he's a guy to keep an eye on. 
Um, I was also going to say real quick, the guys that have been recently offered, like Paul from Texas, Roman Rashada, as you just mentioned, those guys have to be setting up official visits at some point here pretty soon. You would have to think. I, I don't, I don't see them offering a player like Paul out of Texas this late and not trying to make a big push for him. This, this feels like, it, you know, I know a lot of fans are going to say, well, that, that feels like desperation. It just feels to me like they, they found something. Yeah. And they really want to explore it. Official yeah. visits and offers are really, really important part of this process to try to wrap these things up. And that's, I would think that anybody they've offered for the 2022 class here in the last couple of weeks, I would expect all those guys to officially visit at some point. Yeah, I, I agree. I absolutely agree with you, Chris. Those, the guys that they've offered, those are the ones they're really focused on. And guy, even some of the guys they haven't offered yet, you know, like the, like the Derek uh, Boyd. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's something that, uh, to look at. So yeah, it, yeah, there's a and- lot of moving parts. It's, it's this, it's a fun time because things are really picking up and, and, uh, it feels like the start of another good year, doesn't it, Chris? Cause last year at this time, we still, we were still five months away before they opened things up again. Yep. And, no, it's true. It's true. And so, you know, you can have junior days and there's basketball games with fans in the stands and it, it, it isn't back a hundred percent where we want it to be, but it feels like it's getting there. And, um, especially with the NCAA, uh, doing their thing where they're considering, um, somebody with an, inf- uh, COVID infection less than 90 days out is considered fully vaxxed. And I think that has more to do with not canceling games in the, uh, in the, uh, in the tournament. Right. But, sure. but, uh, but sure. it's, I, I think it's a step in the right direction on a lot of different things. So. Yeah. And then, and then also I think a lot of this has to do kind of, I, I would call it the Courtney Morgan effect. Um, you know, this is a guy who clearly had a lot of, of reach in a lot of different places. He was obviously t- uh, tracking a lot of guys at Michigan, for instance, before he came over to Washington. So I, I see this as being trying to finish out on a strong note. He's going to be a huge part of that, especially when these guys hit campus for their unofficial and official visits. This is kind of the one drawback to having your, your director of recruiting be the kind of the lead guy on, on so many players is that he can't go out on the road with the coaches at this point, but he's certainly going to be, if he's not there in person, he was going to be there in spirit. You know, they're going to be talking about him a lot and his influence. Um, to wrap things up, let's talk about some of the things that Morgan's really focused on, not just the junior day that's coming up at the end of the month, but also maybe a couple guys that you think Washington fans should focus on that could be early commitments for the 2023 class at Washington. Oh boy. It really feels like, <laughs> you know, you know, Kalen DeBoer said it in his press conference that, you know, things are going to, you know, 2022 and all that, they're going to piece together a class that will make sense for them, but they're going to really hit the ground running for 2023. And it feels like they've done that. Give us a, a sense of what you're seeing so far. Well, some of it's going to be on guys that they had or that Coach Shepard had relationships with. Some of these other coaches had relationships with that they're going to bring with them. Um, obviously, you know, the the most recent offer, and I just did a report on him this morning, Ashton Cozart out of Marcus High School, Flower Mound, Texas, um, you know, 6'3", 190 pounds. He grew up here, lived here right. basically his whole life. Right. And, um, and, and then moved with his dad after his dad retired from the military, he took a job with the FAA 
And so now they're down in the Dallas, Texas area, but he, he loves Washington. And he said that the offer from Washington was as special as the one that he got from Alabama. That's the feeling that he got when he got offered from Washington is the same as he had from Alabama. It was pretty special to him. So, um, that's a guy maybe you keep an eye on. I think it's going to be a while before he makes a decision, but you never know, uh, with guys like that. Um, in you know, early in-state guys. Yeah, Caleb Presley or uh, Josiah Wagner, two guys I think you could see pop relatively early. Maybe maybe not here in the next little bit, but but relatively early. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if you see something like that. Um, so maybe Jay- sometime around spring football. Yeah, maybe. Um, Jaden Rashada is an interesting one. He's one of the top quarterbacks out west in and actually in the country in general. He's number five overall. In the country, number 41 overall for all athletes, all position groups in the 2023 recruiting class. He's out of Pittsburgh High School, but his brother, um, you know, already had Roman got the offer and could be committing here pretty soon. And I think that could end up playing into things. Uh, two local offensive linemen I know that love Washington are Landon Hatchett and Micah Banuelos. Those are two guys to keep an eye on. Um, both of the one, one plays at Kennedy Catholic. That's Ben Walos and Hatchet. Landon Hatchet is the younger brother of Garen Hatchet from Ferndale High School. So, uh, those are two guys that you could, uh, def, I could definitely see popping early. One guy that, um, I know the coaches like a lot and made an early offer and he didn't say anything to me, but the way he talked about Washington, it wouldn't be a surprise at all to see Blake Nicholson, the the linebacker prospect out of Manteca, California, okay. um, wouldn't be a surprise at all to see him commit uh, relatively early. And then Michael Montgomery, a kind of an unforgotten name because Garfield just is is more known for basketball than football. But six uh, three, two hundred thirty pounds, had a really good junior year at Garfield, and uh, he's going to see. Things pick up on the recruiting front from other schools, but Washington offered him early. I need to see if the new staff has offered him or not. I'm going to talk, touch base with him here very soon, but he's one who I could see popping early. He he loves Washington, so we'll just have to see. Those are kind of some names just to remember. Yep, and then the junior day, I believe, is on the 29th. Is that correct? Yep, yep. Junior Saturday day is on the 29th. Tomorrow. And, and that's the last weekend of official visits before signing day. So that's going to be a really busy weekend for me, but also for you, Chris, because I'm going to be asking you for help. Sure. Uh, but, uh, yeah, um, lots of stuff to track. And then, uh, then we've got the, the, uh, dead period where the coaches can contact kids, but they can't have them on campus. Um, you know, for those three or two or three days up to signing day. And then, uh, and then they can do, start doing official visits again, uh, on campus. So, um, the, uh, two weeks from then. So yeah, it's going to be busy. I was going to say, I, I can't overstate how, in terms of my opinion, I can't overstate how important this junior day is going to be because they haven't been able to do anything for a few years with junior days because of COVID. Um, and, and just the importance that it feels like the new staff is placing on, getting the 2023 class off to such a strong start. This is kind of a tangent to the other early commit question to 2023. Could you see any commitments coming out of that junior day? Do you, uh, do you get the sense that maybe. these guys are going to try to push for that? 
I don't know. I, I don't know. I haven't gotten a good read on this staff yet, Chris. I, you know, because right. Chris Peterson wanted kids to think about it a lot before they did anything. He didn't want them to make commitments on the, the spur of the moment kind of thing. He wanted them to think about it and really be sure. I don't know what this staff is ready to do yet. And that's something that we're going to have to form here over the next six months as we kind of watch the way this, this staff rolls. But, uh, it wouldn't be a surprise if they saw, if we saw a commit or two out of that from the 2023 kids, but I think it's still probably going to wait a little bit. They probably want to see what Washington's going to look like. What the, it isn't like this staff had this past year to show Washington, to show what Washington's offense will look like, except for they can point to the Fresno state offense, I guess. Yeah. But, but you know, though, Chris, it just, they haven't established themselves here yet. So maybe these kids want to wait a little bit, maybe next year at this time, after they've got a year, and maybe Washington has gone to a bowl game or possibly even won a Pac-12 title, then the coaches can can really push for some early commits from 2024 kids. But at this point, I have a hard time seeing 2023 kids really jump in the boat that early. But it's I, it's recruiting, Chris. Anything is possible. You know there that. There you go. That, that, that was what I was expecting at the end there. Yeah. <laughs> So any uh, final thoughts before we wrap this thing up, Scott? Like the hire of uh, Jamarcus Shepard, I think it's, uh, it's, it's about as home run as you're going to get when it's hiring assistant coaches. Um, I like this staff. I like the composition of the staff. It sounds like the coaches are really, really having fun getting in here and digging into things and getting to work out with the kids. You saw um, the Washington football posted the thing on the kids working out, started their uh, – their off-season winter training uh, this past week, and and uh, sounds like it's been going really well. Uh, the, the coaches were actually pretty excited to see them and the way they were looking on the uh, on the field in their in their cardio and things like that. So um, lots of positives when it comes to that. Lots of positives, I think, around this program right now. Um, lots of exciting things. I think I think it's going to be an exciting time in the spring because we're going to have a whole new thing to look at, Chris, and, and what's going on. And then, um, and then this fall, summer and fall, you know, when they, when they're doing summer camps and they're, they're having kids on campus and they're out during the May recruiting period, it's going to be this staff is supposedly, according to everyone that we've talked to, really loves to recruit. And, and, um, if they love to recruit like we think they do, then, uh, it's going to be really exciting here on the recruiting front and then on hopefully the the field here coming this fall. Yeah, I think the word exciting is going to replace the word awesome uh yeah. in the in the vocabulary here pretty soon. Uh echo a lot of those thoughts, especially the idea of Rama Kefri, the the new strength and conditioning coach. He's bringing new, some nutrition stuff back in. He's he's really it sounds like they're really revamping a lot of different things, which I think will only help the the players obviously as they as they start to ramp things up for spring and then we you know you have the junior day you have the pro day coming up in March um, obviously spring football and we move forward into that there there's certainly a lot of reasons if you're a Washington fan to be excited about what's going on in Malik right now and in the next three weeks are going to be very very interesting to see not just how Washington finishes out this 2022 class but all also I'm wondering if this, if this group isn't going to be a little bit more proactive, not proactive, but a little bit more encouraging of these 2023 kids to maybe make earlier decisions than maybe they would have under Peterson and Jimmy Lake. I'm, I'm very curious to see how that's going to roll because 
I get the sense that this new staff is confident enough in their abilities and what they're selling in Washington to not just want to push for early commitments, but also be able to maintain those commitments as well, because that's the biggest part of it, right? That's, that's the thing that, that really is the, the hard part about getting those early decisions done is to try to make sure that they stay, um, in love with what you're doing throughout the entire process until they can go ahead and sign the following mid-December. So I think that's also going to be very, very interesting to follow. So Scott, we've covered a ton of recruiting stuff today. Hopefully Washington fans will get into it. Hopefully you guys will love it. Um, and we will certainly be back very soon to talk a lot more about recruiting because that's the big thing right now that's going on on campus as far as Washington football goes. It's going to be a lot of, uh, a lot of talk, a lot of stories and a lot of stuff going down here as we get to the wire to start this, uh, this next recruiting period, signing period in early February. So for recruiting editor Scott Eklund, this is Chris Fetters of dogman.com. Thank you for listening. Go dogs. Thank you.